All right, welcome to the Acres of Diamonds podcast. I'm here today with DJ Ligori and Nick Prince for a special episode where we're going to talk about culture, and we're going to talk about culture relative to family, or excuse me, team first, right? Yeah. Family and then personal. And we're going to get some opinions from DJ and Nick about uh, their experiences with culture in both in all three of those areas. And uh, we're going to start with having DJ kick us off and give us some thoughts on uh, on culture and specifically around team-based culture. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, when we started talking about culture, we we broke it down into three different categories. Broke it down into team, family, and personal. And ultimately, our our goal by the end of talking about any conversation with culture is for somebody to talk about their personal culture and to actually define it. But we think that a good foundation to getting to that personal culture is first establishing you know, team culture, family culture, <coughs> excuse me. What are those areas of my life and how have they molded who I am? And so I thought a great idea was, since we all technically have come from, you know, we came from similar backgrounds, same high school, and we all played on similar teams, I thought, why not be a great idea to introduce culture starting off with team culture? Because we all, I mean, a common thread amongst all of us is Hilton basketball. You know, what is what is the, the team culture of, of Hilton basketball? And, and I know, you know, through the years of playing, um, even though I started with Greece basketball, we won't talk about that. Wow. <laughs> you did not even tell though, me that. Even though, yeah. GBA. Wow. I was a young little GBA guy. I was, uh, my, my, it was actually my dad and coach updike were my two coaches and they were uh and they initially taught me how to how to play basketball so um grease people grease people very so that was when people. you had a soft culture not, the, not a tough the, culture there's a reason why i switched over yes I yeah there was i was it was definitely it it wasn't yeah once i got to hill basketball it was like defense 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 and in uh in gba was it wasn't necessarily like i wouldn't call it soft but it was different well you can't call it, you can't call it soft because you're part of it i'll call it soft. i'll always yeah i will always say like I, think I can yeah you guys can you guys can say anything you want about it but i always have to have, kind of fall back on it i i think look any team culture is based on the leadership any company culture mm-hmm. based on leadership any family culture based on leadership so it's team by team i'm sure right? yeah it, it, I would never say a Rich Lapani coach team would, and basketball team was soft. Yeah, you know, it exactly. just would not be the term that I exactly. would. And he was uh, pretty big into GBA. Yeah, so. and I think a lot of the the team culture start, like you said, starts with leadership and starts with the coaches, which then filters down into your players, then maybe filters down into your the players who develop more of a leadership role on that team. Um, so you know when when we talk about Hilton basketball and and what. What we wanted to produce on the floor, I, I remember talking a little bit about this um, a couple months ago with you. At the end of the game, I wanted you to respect us, and I think that was a big, um, a big goal of no matter what competition we were in. You know, if we're talking about Helen basketball, at the end of the game, I wanted that team to be a little beat up. I wanted them to feel like a little pain. I wanted them to know that, you know, we were here whether we won or lost the game. Obviously, we want to win. Um, you respect us and if you see us around you know what we're made of and that was kind of always my goal um that you know we could you could filter that throughout a whole team and if you have you know 10 guys saying by the end of this game if even if i'm you know i'm playing man to man on this guy i want this guy to know that i was here i want him to know you know what i'm about and that was i think a really good team culture that we had throughout hilton basketball um was making sure that they knew that we were there so that was something that was important to us what about you, Nick? What uh, was that 
similar to what yeah. you thought about the Hilton basketball culture? Oh, for sure. I think the one big thing that uh, always stuck out to me is, you know, when we won, we were excited. You know, when we were lo when we lost, we were obviously frustrated. But the one thing that you know we heard a lot was, and we we would play all star teams obviously a lot. You know, in AU and stuff, and uh, guys from different schools, and we were just Hilton and we would give them a run for their money and their coach would always say after even if we lost man you guys you guys are legit you know you came out to play and i think that's one of the biggest like signs of, of respect you can give somebody and that was that was something that kind of kept you going almost you know it's interesting i'd forgotten that part of the aau story mm -hmm. watching you guys grow up and play that you guys were all just hilton kids eight hilton kids and you were playing uh, multi-town, multi-city teams sometimes, and and competing, mm -hmm. and compete winning a lot of times, yeah. and and I would argue, a lot of times you're winning because of the culture that that you guys brought to the game, and you were you would not be out toughed, mm -hmm. you just wouldn't be out toughed, you yeah. wouldn't have been outworked, you wouldn't be out hustled, mm -hmm. and candidly, you weren't going to be outsmarted. Yeah, right? and, we, and so, we heard it if we if any if if, if we ever. <laughs> If there was ever a moment where we were, where it looked like we were out tough, or we were outsmarted, or we were outworked, we heard it from not only Coach Prince, but we heard it from our, our fathers as well. And, oh yeah. And you know they let us know, you know, next time that ball's on the ground, we expect you to, to be diving for that thing or something similar to that around that that nature. So, and I think a lot of the the team culture too that came up through the years was we were fortunate enough to know each other in fifth, sixth grade. Right. And then we went all the way up. To, I mean, I'm still, I still got to see this guy all the time. Unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately. yeah, you guys, you guys are like, you guys are like fraternity brothers. Uh, yeah, in a lot of respects. yeah, from yeah. literally like fourth, fifth grade, all playing, mm -hmm. you know, basketball and football together. We know how each other operates, and that was really a part of our team culture. Was you know, in practice, I wanted to make sure you know, and, and you know, Andy Miller and I would always guard each other. Nick Ross, Nick Prince would always guard each other, no matter what, just because we knew how each other operated. We we're gonna beat the crap out of each other. We're just going to make each other better, and, and that was kind of, and that really instilled in other guys who might not have necessarily been within our friend group for as long as as we were. They would say, "All right, I want to find a guy who you know just to beat the tar out of out of every day." And then that was that instilled in practice. And you know, a lot of the times we would go at we would go at each other at practice. And Coach Prince loved it, and then sometimes he hated it because we would <laughs> it'd be a negative. You know, we would just start beating the beating the heck out of each other. But that was that was the way that we wanted to pursue you know our team culture. And I think we did a great job of doing it. I think the one thing that Coach Prince did well, and it seems kind of simple, but just you know doing like the program practices on a Saturday when I was younger like I, I looked forward to that like, I wanted to you know show the older kids what I got I wanted to see how they operated and stuff and uh, I take I've taken coaching classes and things like that have been brought up like hey this is how you bring your program together and how you kind of build the culture and he was doing that how many years, years ago yeah years yeah, ago, years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching uh, watching the program develop. Right when uh, your dad and uncle started the Hilton Select program, that's when Hilton basketball culture started evolving, um, and it, it evolved based on their vision for how the game should be played. And it's it's stuck for the most part because Coach Prince has uh, continued to be the varsity coach, and uh, that's driven you know driven a toughness into into the program and. You know, one of the things watching you guys and now listening to you talk about your experiences too, there's an inherent love, and, and DJ and I talk about love a lot from the standpoint of um, 
you know, people don't talk about it a lot, but it is one of the strongest emotions available to us. And when you have teams that are fighting with each other, alongside each other, there's a bond built in that love and that caring for one another can create some real special life events, I think, on and off the court. And, you know, I'm really glad to see, you know, I think out of the seven or eight of you guys, there's probably five or six of you that still hang around quite a bit, and it's it's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. And um, I like being around you guys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from a personal culture standpoint, we didn't have the same team culture when I was growing up in Hilton, mm -hmm. uh, but we had a personal culture between myself and your dad, Nick, mm -hmm. where... He and I, just like you and Andy Miller, maybe DJ, yeah. would compete against one another. And there are probably more days than not that we ended up rolling around on the ground <laughs> and wrestling. Yeah. Right? We would take like half an hour and wrestle each other exactly. because we were so pissed off mm -hmm. about, you know, him, typically him calling pussy fouls. <laughs> it was never me, of course. Yeah. But his yeah exactly. was something your dad was doing wrong. Yeah. That, uh -huh. and, and of course. That caused yeah. us to wrestle no, around. We didn't want to call any fouls. <laughs> but there was never a punch thrown. It was all just, yeah. uh, but, it was just oh, boys being boys. Boys being boys. <laughs> and what, it, but it really developed our competitive nature. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, will always, I always knew that one of the reasons I became the player I became was because of your dad, right? Your dad was always trying yeah. to knock yeah. me down and knock me off you know, which knock is, me off my game. Which is something I think that we don't necessarily think about a lot is we become not only the players but the people we are because of other people. Right. Which is really, yeah. I mean, you know, I wouldn't, if you're on a team sport, you know, you're not going to win the game. It's not one versus five. You know, it's five mm -hmm. versus five. And so each day when I'm, you know, doing mic and drills and, you know, Andy Miller's hitting me in the chest, hitting me in the arm, make sure that I'm okay with going up with contact or something like that, or, or Nick Ross is shooting and Nick Prince is closing out, you know, in his face, you know, making sure that he's he gets used to shooting with a hand in his face, so small things like that, um, that if it was just myself, I wouldn't be able to do that. So it was, I think that's something that we constantly need to have a respect and an appreciation for is our friends or our colleagues and the people that we surround ourselves with, they essentially mold us as well. Right. You know, we're also molding, we're constantly molding ourselves, but, you know, our environment and specifically those other people in that environment, they mold us too. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys, you guys also have a common bond between Hilton football, which oh, yeah. I, I've uh, talked to Coach Lapani a number of times to understand his culture and how he gets to where he gets with his teams and, He's pretty open. He doesn't use the word love like mm -hmm. like you and I do, DJ, but he does talk about he invests a lot of time in making sure the kids know he cares about them. Yeah. And the way he does it, like he, so I say he flirts, but he flirts with you guys by mocking you out and teasing oh, you yeah. in a method and manner that you all understand he's doing it from a place of love, whether mm -hmm. you guys use that word or not. Mm -hmm. That's what you yeah. feel like. And I've, I've been around that program enough now to see that he does a very, very nice job of it. What was yeah. your experience in that program? I know that if you wanted to play Hilton football, you needed to get used to being made fun of constantly. Um, and the more they made fun of you, the more that, that just meant that they, they loved you. I mean, we would, you know, I remember Coach Apani once, we would, we would go out to practice and Coach Harmon and Coach Foreman, Coach Skash, I mean, all these guys are just busting each other's chops before we're even out to practice. And Coach Zapani said, I don't know how we win a damn game around here. <laughs> I, th I will say, I mean, Coach Harmon uses love. He, he's the best he would, He, was the he best would come it. in, and the first thing he, he yeah. would say you know, on defense is, hey, by the way, I, I effing love you guys. Yeah. I, I love you. I, I love being here. 
and let's go let's go Hold win on. this football he, game. He can swear and I can't swear. Oh, he, see, that's a different said, culture too. He had, he had a sailor's mouth. That's football culture. <laughs> yeah, football yeah. culture, you can say the f word. Basketball culture, I yeah, get no, I get in trouble. It's it's frowned upon in basketball, <laughs> but for some reason, yeah, Coach Harm. I remember Coach Harm saying that he once had a professor tell him. Oh, um, I, love I love this. He goes. Uh, he goes, people who swear aren't smart enough to think of a better thing to say. And Coach Harm went, that's effing brilliant. <laughs> no, no, no. What he said is, it was he something said is, like that. You, it was, you know what? You're, you're effing right. Yeah, you're effing right. Or something like that. And, and, he, and, so, and that, was, that was his personal culture. You know, he connected to us through not only right. swearing, yeah. but love as well. I mean, I remember multiple times, you know, before each game, he'd come up to, you know, the guys who were going to really play in that game and, and, you know, go all out. He would give you a hug and he'd he'd kiss you right on the uh, right on the helmet and he'd look you swear on the face and he'd be like I love you no matter what happens tonight, and so it felt like you were playing for your dad almost. Right, and that's you know that might come to Coach Arm yeah. intuitively, right? That yes. uh, the the quickest way to build a loyal and dedicated and committed team mm-hmm. and followership, if you yes. will, is to let them know that there's a bigger purpose for them and, exactly. and love. It's just I mean DJ, you and I talk about it all the all time. The time. There's no stronger emotion. No. Just no stronger emotion. So if you can find a way to connect with your kids that way, mm-hmm. and let's face it, if you're up there talking like a Harvard graduate to your kids, you're not connecting. Not connecting. Right? So I get the why schools don't want swearing, but at some level, you, in order to connect with your children, the kids you're coaching, the young men you're coaching, you do have to find language that works for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting, right, we all go around saying, suck my dick and this and that and the other thing with these kids, yeah. but there is... There is a logic to it, yes. right? So, mm-hmm. um, all right. So that's team. Yeah. What about uh, what about family culture? How does that play into so, to per, you know developing your own personal culture over time? I actually have a great story if you'd like me to tell it. Yeah. Uh, and I told this at my uh, football banquet. So you're not going to make me cry, are you? No. Get, get, get the waterworks. I, out. I, I might cry. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, That'd be. I uh, this was at my my college football banquet um i started playing football in seventh grade uh it was my favorite sport at the time even though i still loved basketball but uh i would play madden right and i wanted to score the touchdowns i wanted to throw the passes i wanted to run the ball and first year ogden bears i was the tallest one on the team so i'm not playing running back i'm not playing quarterback i was at left tackle and i hated it it was i'm like why am i why am i not touching the ball why am i not scoring uh i hated up downs i hated uh it was coach montgomery at the time he was our coach and he he uh he was ruthless but i ended up developing a a really nice relationship with him he's a great guy after he coached us in lacrosse Mm -hmm. so uh the one day i'm talking to my grandma and you know grandma kathy I was like, I don't really like football. And she's like, well, if you talk to your dad, like, I'm sure it's fine if, you know, you don't play anymore. <laughs> oh, she, I'm sure. Yeah, she, I'm sure she, set me, she set me she set me up for failure on that one. <laughs> so I, I, go, I go to my dad, and I said, Dad, I don't, I don't really like football anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to play. I got your ass kicked. And he, he looked at me, and this, this is where the family culture comes in, and he goes, Number one, I just spent about eighty dollars on a new face mask <laughs> that just came in the mail yesterday. So you're gonna you're gonna use that. And number two, uh, we don't we don't quit. And I'm like, 
well, I didn't really think about that. Like, what do you mean we don't quit? Like, I just don't want to do I don't like it. He's like, you can finish the year out, but one thing that you're not going to do is you're not going to quit. Because I, I didn't raise you that way. I wasn't raised that way. And it's not it's not going to happen. If you, if you don't want to play next year, that's perfectly fine. We won't sign you up. But you're not, we're not quitting. Mm -hmm. Just not happening. So I went back, finished out the year. Don't, don't remember much of it. He, we, he would have to play the same Linkin Park song on the way to practice every single day. And after that, I, I got the next year, started playing, helped a little bit that he, he said, uh, I'll coach, you know. So that was nice having him on the sidelines. But, I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am today career-wise, you know, if it wasn't for – you know that little that little talk. Yeah. You know that's interesting. That, so the don't quit, right? And you look at um, we were just talking before the podcast started about your current role with the Buffalo Bills, and you know if we go back a couple of years, how that actually happened was complete persistence, right? Complete oh, yeah. persistence. You got rejected early. Um, the guy didn't have time to take your calls, and then you kept at him. He kept at him, and you grew on him. And now I, you know I. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I, I think this is going to be a real great story and persistence and not quitting and something that you're going to share 20, 30, 40 years from now to say, look, here's how it started for me. Mm -hmm. You're going to be able to tell other kids and other fathers and other sons, and look, stick with it. If you've got a vision for yourself, stick with it. Don't quit. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I, I love that story so far. Yeah. DJ, what about you? You're pretty. Uh, this is an area you're really, really passionate about. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've shared with your parents. We've been talking mm -hmm. now almost a year and a half, probably, yeah. I think. Yep. And I've shared with your parents when I get time with them how, um, I don't know what the right word is, how impressive or impressed I am and how I want them to know how often you refer to my mom says or my dad says, yeah. right? Or my dad used to say, or I did this because my dad said, or my mom said. And the number of times you reference what you've learned and why you've become the man you become mm -hmm. as a result of your parents' guidance and coaching and mentoring is really, yeah. um, I wish every parent could hear their kids say that yeah, because I, not, then they know they did it right. Mm -hmm. And so family culture is really important to you. How, how has it played into your life? It is very important to me because, and this is, you know, playing right into this, this is something my father told me when I was younger. He said, you know, we, we make progress in life through mentors or mistakes. So I constantly was thinking, all right, so if I have want to make progress in any area, how do I, how do I figure it out? And so my mentors were essentially my parents, really. And so if I wanted to make progress in any area, I would always ask them, hey, if I wanted to do better on this test, what do I do? Study hard. If I wanted to do better in the weight room, this is what you do. And so it was kind of like they always had an answer, even though even if it wasn't the right answer, but they always gave me an answer. And so I remember uh, I remember going to like Hilton Raiders practices with my dad on the, on his motorcycle. I was probably fifth grade or so, and I'd have my little water jug on the back, and, and we'd we'd go to practice. And I remember Coach Ruto, you know, asking, well, what, "What the hell are you doing driving the motorcycle to practice with DJ on the back?" He goes, "It's a beautiful night out." He goes, "I'm I'm taking the motorcycle." And so, I mean, it was just simple things like that that I remember. And, and I remember he was the first one who said, you need to be the quarterback of the, uh, of the team because I didn't want to be the quarterback. You know, he, was a, uh, he was a cornerback and a receiver, and then he eventually got moved to quarterback. And he always said, he goes, quarterbacks are like the heartbeat of the team, the, the leaders. He said, you learn a lot in life just by being the quarterback of a team. 
he goes, when you walk into a huddle, you know, you got 10 guys looking at you. You're the one that has to direct them. You need to know where to go. He goes, I think you should be the quarterback. So I didn't, I didn't want to do this, but I said, okay, I will do this. And, you know, kind of like what Nick said, you know, with, with coach or with his dad saying, you know, we don't quit. And, you know, this is my dad kind of saying we're leaders. And so, you know, this was him saying, this is the way that, you know, we, you should act. This is the way that, you know, when, when, you know, you have a couple guys looking at you to lead them to a specific goal or a specific area, you need to be comfortable with this. And so that was kind of where, you know, the family culture started to develop. And, you know, I saw it in my sister. I mean, she's the, I believe she's the captain of her swim team at Brockport now. And so that was something that we wanted to establish as, you know, a Ligori name. I wanted to be viewed as a leader. I wanted mm-hmm. to be viewed as someone, you know, if things are going bad, I'm okay with that. I go, let's let's all get together and let's figure this out together as a team, which I think is a important part of leadership from a family uh, point is there isn't one leader. You can essentially have multiple leaders in one group all, all reacting towards a, a common goal. And so... That was really, um, you know, something that, you know, the mentors are mistakes things. When he told me that, it, it really hit home because, you know, throughout life we, we constantly are having um, obstacles and problems that we don't know how to solve, and we need to somehow figure out how to solve them. And we will probably make multiple mistakes in, in, in trying to solve those. And then eventually you will find a mentor, you will find a resource, you will find some answer in order to solve that problem. And that's kind of like, you know, going with what Nick said with the persistence. You know, we don't, we're not, we're not used to giving up. So I'm not, I don't plan on doing it anytime soon. So that's kind of what, um, you know, the, the family culture that I got, I got brought into. And he constantly, uh, that was one of the, the sayings that he always said. And then the other one was he, he always said, make measurable progress over reasonable time. He said, how long are you supposed to be in second grade? I said, a year? <laughs> he goes, exactly. He says, if you're in second grade for three years, he goes, you're not making measurable progress over a reasonable time. We've got to figure that out. So it was just simple things like that um, that I always said, you know, is this supposed to be taking me this long? How long is this supposed to take? What's my value in, in, in you know, finishing this in a specific amount of time? And so that was another um, kind of family culture. And, and I have hundreds of these, honestly, that I can talk about forever, you know, these, these different lines that, um, I've been told not only by my father and my mother, um, you know, simply on, on how to be, uh, how to view your, your last name really. And that was, um, and I remember that was one of the, uh, the assignments that we were originally thinking of was if you told someone to write their last name on a sheet of paper and then write the first word that you associated it with, what would it be? Right. And that was something that really deep that I don't think I've ever thought of ever before and it, I think that can really lead into a deep conversation about who you are. You know? So let's. So maybe this is a good segue. So I'm, you know, I'm very passionate about culture too. I've led businesses now for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, uh, transitioning new acquisitions into existing parent companies, and I always have to drive guiding principles into the into the culture, right? So. In my family, I kind of adopted the same thing, raising three boys, and the the key phrase I decided to organize our family around, or at least the three boys around, was men take care of their shit, right, period. It, yep. it incorporates a lot of cultural dynamics that I was really looking to solve. The boys recently said, Dad, you can't, you can't say men take care of their shit. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, 
first of all, men the men word man word these days is like a negative word, and but, you yeah. know certain people get pissed off while you're saying I'm not a man. I'm like, oh my god, really? I said, what am I supposed to say? Well, it could be women take care of their shit. I said, but what am I supposed to say then to make everybody happy? Yeah. Adults take care of their shit. Mm-hmm. It's all right. We we take care we, of our we shit. We take we care take of our shit, shit right? Shit, yeah. so, but the point is, right? I don't, you know, not to be politically incorrect or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. People, you know, we have to take care of our shit. Yes. So that's been our our family driving culture. So, you know, at a personal level, I hope my boys have adopted that, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think personal accountability, self reliance, self deterministic behavior is hugely hugely important. What would you two say? Your personal culture is becoming, right? Mm-hmm. So you said your last name. You want your last name Ligori someday yeah. to be synonymous with what? Is it leadership? Is it toughness? Yeah. Is it don't quit? Is it commitment? Is it love? Like what are one, two, three, four brand attributes, if you will, yeah. right, of your yeah. personal culture? The Ligori or DJ Ligori in this mm-hmm. particular, and the Nick Prince in this particular case. The. Uh the original, so I've actually, I actually did this, so I might have a, a quicker answer. Um, the original one I said was progress, and I think that was generally from the make measurable progress over a reasonable time. And my latest saying that I, I love is, um, is I'm all about libraries and weight rooms. Ah, wow, I like that. And so, wow. And so you can, and I thought about this actually when I was at, you know at the East Rochester Library working on some acres of diamond stuff, I was like, why the hell am I in a library now? And it's a Saturday morning. And I was like, I like this because it's an area of mental progress. And then why do you like the weight room? It's an area of physical progress. And so I I realized that that saying libraries and weight rooms, I mean, you could almost work that into a whole program in itself. I'll, I'll tell you, that resonates. I'm going to steal that one. You can. Um, that, I'll, I'll only charge you like five <laughs> bucks every time you that, use it. That resonates with me. And, yeah. you know, it reminds me of when, when we were coaching Hilton basketball. We walk on the court like choir boys. Yes. But we, we play like gangsters, yes. right? And yeah. just to create that visual, I, I love libraries and weight rooms because yeah. I do believe you you have to have physical toughness but it's born out of your it's mental out toughness your out, yeah. of, out of your mind yeah that's awesome yes which is something we talked about before saying you know you can trick people and i don't want to give i, I am going to give this away but if you ask somebody what is physical toughness and they give you this elaborate answer that's totally wrong yeah it's, it's all from your mind if you yeah. want to bench press your mind has to first tell your triceps and your chest to contract then push up and, and you have to you, believe you can do it and you have to believe you can do it which is a whole other conversation in itself because sure. You know, I, I think a lot of the times we can psych ourselves right out of it before we even try it. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is an absolute travesty because if you can do it, if you physically can do it and you mentally can do it, but then you mentally say you can't do it, you might as well, you know, put the weights down right there. Yeah, you've lost. You've lost already. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. Libraries and weight Libraries room. Libraries and awesome. weight rooms. Awesome. Yes. Nick, we, we didn't prep you asking, so, asking you for this. Yeah, this so is this, on is, the gonna fly. Be, this I, is on the fly. I don't know we if did I'm, give you a couple this, minutes to yeah, think about it. I, that's really all I've been thinking about. <laughs> I, I don't have a, a, a catchy phrase or anything like that. Um, I don't have like a, a one go-to word. But I would say that it, when people see me or see my last name, I would want them to always know what they're going to get from me. I'm gonna be true with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna work hard. If you need help, I'm gonna be there to help. And I I kind of I really just wanna focus on, you know, they they see my last name. 
that's a that's a great person. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the the main thing I want to I want to get from that. He's not gonna lie to you about stuff. He's not gonna feed you lines of BS. Like I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be truthful. I'm gonna work hard if you need me to work hard for you. And uh, you just always you know what you're gonna get from me whenever you're around me. So I, I've been fortunate to be around Nick and his family um, since I was probably 10 or 12 years old. And one of my first uh, first experiences about the power of the brain and the power of belief came from his dad. And I've, I've only told this story a few times. I've told his dad a number of times because I really want him to know that uh, it was a critical part of my development. And it was recreation basketball. It was a Saturday morning, and I lacked confidence. Sixth or seventh grade, wasn't shooting a lot of shots, and he pulled me over at halftime or something and said, you know, you need to shoot the ball a lot more. You're the best shooter on the team. And I had no idea. No no idea. And then I... You know, but now I tell him I never stopped shooting since that day. But, but that <laughs> was, you know, since. so his dad, uh, your dad, or your grandfather, played a huge, huge role in, in helping me, helping me with my mindset. And then, um, you know, your, you know, I was in your brother's wedding, your brother was in my, or your father's wedding, father was in mm -hmm. my wedding, my brother's in your brother's wedding, and vice versa. So we have a very, very deep connection. My parents are friends with your grandparents. Um, it's pretty ridiculous how, how interwoven our families are. And I can I agree with you 100. percent Your your family culture is integrity, hard work, right? Integrity. What, that's that's what, the one I was looking for. What yeah. you see is what you get, right? Mm -hmm. There's no there's no I'm not gossiping behind your back, right? I'm not I'm not second guessing who you are. If, if I want you to know something, I'm gonna let you know something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And Sometimes or, for better or, or for worse, yeah, you know. Or better for worse, or if it's really bad, maybe I figure out a nice way to tell yeah, you but yeah. um yeah you you're what you see what you get family and um committed loyal um honest hardworking. those are all the attributes that i've come over the last uh, 40 years to to associate with your family i think it's it's reflective of hilton in general mm -hmm. you know i think that's yeah. those are attributes that we find a lot in the hilton community yeah and we're very lucky in that way um so one thing too um that i can vouch for the integrity uh personal culture of like you know, of the family culture of the princes too um one thing i thought that we were all really good with the whole our, our friend group was the lack of retaliation and complaining um i remember when we were in we were probably in fourth or fifth grade at playing at fisher and somebody had fouled somebody and one of us complained about it and coach prince Nick's dad at the time brought us, he called the, I think he even blew a timeout for it to, to tell us. Blew a timeout, brought us over, and said, The next guy who complains, you're not playing like ever again. He goes, If you follow somebody, you shut up. If you do this, you shut up. He goes, You don't say a word. And so it, that kind of stuck. And I remember if it wasn't 10 minutes later, a kid outworked me for a rebound and he called the timeout. And he, you know, we all came over and he goes, Deej, you know, what happened there? And I went, I, and I remember I completely stopped. I completely stopped, and that was the moment that it's, it clicked for me. And I looked Coach Prince right in the eyes for like four seconds, and he went, great job. He goes, get back out there. And I was like, I remember that forever because from then on, and I think we all did a great job of this, you know, even if you get a bad, a bad call or a bad foul on you, it's the, you know, the ref's human too. 
Absolutely. He, he's not trying he's to not do a bad job. Go, he's not trying to go at you for right. anything. So you got to be logical. You have to be rational at that at that point in time, and because then you'll end up becoming you know a, a negative effect to your team if you are retaliating, if you are doing this, and you know all the time. I've never seen in my lifetime to this day a call get reversed because I yelled at a ref. He's just going to get pissed. He's just going to get yeah. pissed. Because so, they have egos too. Yes, right? they're, exactly. They're, they're out there. They too. don't want to be embarrassed. And so that was that plays right into the you know the integrity and the toughness of being a prince was if something happens to you that that shouldn't have happened, don't worry about it. Shut your mouth and go. You know, next, play. next play. Next Figure play. Figure it out. Go to the next play. So that was and so that was something I could vouch for that as well. I will say we did uh, give Coach Farrell and, and Coach Clark oh, some hell yes, in high school. Yes, well, that was some of their practice. calls in practice, but <laughs> we gave them some some chin music in practice. But I think that kind of uh, reflects to our competitiveness. Yes. where even in practice, like I didn't want to lose to I didn't want to lose to DJ. Yeah, it didn't I, matter I, that I the loser. Interested in, yeah, it I, didn't matter that the loser had to uh, run a ten in a minute. Exactly. I just didn't want to lose. Yeah, and we would make fun of you too if you lost and you and you were running yeah. and stuff. Hey, we, keep, we'd keep, you. Dro- keep running, yeah. keep running. Work hard, fellas. Exactly. Hard. Well, guys, I I think this was uh, a great great session around culture, and uh, I love I love team, family, and personal culture. And the reason the reason DJ and I have talked so much about personal culture is we think it's something that's getting lost today in in society as social media bombards us with other people's ideas of what we should be and who we should be and how we should behave i think it's getting lost we think it's getting lost as to who are you you know who are you going to be regardless of what the outside world thinks you should be who are you what are you going to be what are your guiding principles for life and how do you show up every day and making measurable progress against a worthy goal Mm -hmm. right how are you showing up today in the library of life how are you showing up today in the weight room of life right Mm -hmm. physical mental development Um, you know how are you doing those things if those are your guiding principles how are you demonstrating integrity how are you demonstrating loyalty how are you demonstrating work ethic whatever how are you demonstrating accountability through men taking in their shit whatever whatever those guiding principles are how are you organizing your daily activities in your life to be more of who you want to be Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that we want all our listeners to start embracing and understand that not only is it um, a worthy exercise but it's going to be critical to your ongoing personal development Mm -hmm. right and knowing who you are and being aligned with those guiding principles is critical to to some happiness and life life goal setting so Mm -hmm. guys thank you thank you thank you i i love today I yes. loved hearing. I want to do another one. Oh, let's do another one. Yeah, let's keep well, it going. we we will. Um, we're going to keep doing these. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep getting different guests on here, yeah. and we'll keep sharing these opinions. Um, Got a list of guests yeah. after last night. All the guys want to do oh, yeah? one now. Yeah, because I, I, I mentioned it. I said, yeah, me and Nick are doing one tomorrow, and. You know, we got all the guys. Oh, I gotta get in there. I gotta get in there. I go, oh, we got a waiting list now, so we got a lot of a lot of guys interested. Well, good. We got We got to figure out the right form to post this stuff. But yeah. uh, we're running up on the thirty-five minutes here, which is about the extent of what we want to do. So, mm-hmm. guys, great job. Thank I you. I love very you much. all. <laughs> yes. Love you too. Love you guys. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye.